0: Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers.
1: Pure
0: athlete, yeah. i transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler.
1: I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that. Alright! right.
0: And Jeff Howe,
1: It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up.
0: If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all.
1: Just like the Texas Longhorns did on New Year's Eve, we are coming strong with the first Longhorn Blitz of 2020. I am Jeff Howe. We will get into that beatdown Texas put on Utah in the Alamo Bowl 38-10. Get into all that. We got some NFL draft stuff that we talked about last week that, as we record this show now, has been finalized. Some Big 12 stuff. We're all over the map, and we've got a lot to get to, so let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to Walk through this adventure with me. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir?
2: Uh, doing all right. Damn, f- Cedar makes me feel like an alien's trying to come out of my head right now, but other <laughs> was, than that,
1: pretty well. How about yourself? I was gonna say, man, just like Father Time, Cedar Pollen is undefeated. Yes. Amen. right now it's absurd. Uh, A man who, as we've discussed, he's got some allergies, but, man, he's got an immune system from hell, it seems like. Uh, He's that kind of a renaissance man. I don't know what he does, but uh, seems to fight that stuff off. It
3: is good. My woman had the flu for 10 days. I did not get it. I slept with her every night, traveled with her, did not get the flu. She had it for 10 days. That's That's a, a challenge.
1: Like Wolverine, baby. Our lockdown corner here on the show scoffs in the face of viruses and He <laughs> can consume whatever, and it just it comes out <laughs> right B. A lifetime longer, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. And whenever that T-ring is back in his possession, I will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that all American honor recognized by the NCAA, they give you that black card. Number twenty one in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And thanks for the intro, bro. Rod, right, as we get ready for this edition of the Blitz, uh, I will quote you that bowl game, it was an old biblical style butt whooping. Yes, it was. Texas put on Utah. Nobody
3: expected that. No. Texas winning, but yeah. I didn't have them whipping them like that. Yeah, no, I had them
1: winning, not that bad. <laughs> here here's the deal. Uh we talked there there was a path we talked about this on the show, I talked about it on the side there was a path Texas could take to victory but given the body of work through 12 games I I had no faith that that path would be followed but man there's Mm. something about Tom Herman and bowl games where he just becomes a different animal, he's a different cat That's right. and Rod, there were a hellacious amount of adjustments that snug formation we haven't seen all year and getting to the perimeter in the run game and you know, defense going to a four-man line and kind of combating what, they were, what Utah was going to do, like kind of how we thought they needed to. Yeah. Uh, using Joseph Osai to, to attack off the edge. Going more press man with your corners on the outside. Uh, I was impressed when the plan was laid out. We saw it laid out throughout the game. It was pretty clear, number one, Utah was not ready for the schematic adjustments Texas threw at them. And number two when said schematic adjustments took effect, I wasn't surprised. I knew there was a speed and athleticism advantage Texas had. I was surprised that it was as big as it was, as big as it appeared to be. I,
3: I was not because when I, when I started watching the film, and I, like I, said, I watched three games, I watched the USC, I watched Washington, and I watched that Oregon film, and I right. said, man, they have, an is- they have issues dealing with superior athleticism. Mm -hmm. All right? They're a better team than USC. And I think they were a better team, of course, than Washington and Oregon. I think Oregon was a better team, of course. But even when they were dealing with teams who we, like I said, who we know have more talent than Utah. We know Washington has more talent than Utah. Mm -hmm. We know USC has more talent than Utah. And we know Oregon has more talent than Utah. Everybody else in the Pac-12, Arizona State and Arizona and Colorado, UCLA, hey, UCLA. Hell, it might be a toss. Who has more talent? You got to do a deep, deep dive. And I, when I looked at those games, you were able to see like Utah when they they were out of, when they were out of position. They were not in the perfect position uh, because of the scheme. Man, UC, UC, USC lit them up, mm-hmm. and USC threw the football vertically downfield. I'll give you the number here in a second. I'll go look on my phone make sure I got the number exactly. I tweeted out before the game. USC threw the ball deep downfield. They actually threw the ball deep more downfield, 20 yards more downfield than any other team on Utah, and they had more success than any other team uh, than Utah. Uh, Actually, Texas now second. They had the second most success against Utah, throwing the ball deep than any team that faced them this year. And why? Because of something that we had been bringing up on this show. This is is one of the things I was frustrated about with the result, and I love that Texas beat the hell out of Utah. Good for them. It's great. We'll talk about Tom Herman
1: in the bowl Real quick, Rob, before you do that, can I just get to your stat that I found on your Twitter account? Oh, go ahead. Uh, Utah allowed just 24 explosive pass plays. You're considering an explosive 20 yards or more this year. 12 came in the three closest games, USC, Washington, Oregon. Uh, They allowed 13 passing touchdowns this season. Six came off of explosive plays in those three games.
3: Yeah, exactly. So that – I would say if Texas takes that blueprint and just – you know, stretches them downfield. If Colin Johnson is 80, 85 percent, which I think he was, I think Texas, you know, they can threaten Utah enough. And we all know the starting safety, starting corner for Utah was out, backup safety out. They were on third, second string guys in a lot of crucial positions in the secondary. year. I said that is the key matchup. And Tom Herman is savvy enough to be able to take advantage of that and build a game plan off of that. And once Utah – over once they decide to overcorrect, mm. all right, to try to you know compensate for that for that weakness and vulnerability, Texas will eat them alive in the running game, and that's basically what happened. But it's what you said, Jeff, and this the is the frustrating balance. thing, right? It's frustrating thing about Tom Herman. I'm gonna yell at him a little bit. Chris Rock has a great saying in one of his stand-ups. He said, you know, people in this world always want credit for stuff they're supposed to do. I take care of my kids. I'm never late for work. I pay my bills on time. I've never been to jail. Well, you're never supposed to go to jail. You're supposed to pay your bills on time. You're supposed to take care of your kids. You know what I mean? Um, You want credit for stuff you're supposed to do. Tom Herman in his snug formation. How often on this damn show... Have we been yelling to go to bunch formations? Yeah. To get, probably even since well, since LSU before, game,
2: before o, yeah, we gave them the pass, and LSU it was like, okay, well, we expected that in in the OU game, and then it never came in the never OU came game, came and then OU we're game. like, well, where is it? And every game, and Colin Johnson
3: said, well, they were watching film on Utah, and what they noticed was other teams who had played Utah when they would line up in bunch formations, snug formations, condensed formations, that Utah always played the same coverage every time Mm -hmm. and that's how we figured oh you know what we're gonna use the bunch formations that way we'll know exactly what covers their plan and I'm thinking to myself it's a bunch formation. They've been using them for the last 25, 30 years in football. This is not some progressive, offensive, <laughs> evolutionary uh, adaptation. No, dude, this is simple football. We've been yelling for you to do this since the LSU game. They put their guys in bunch formations because it gives them easier releases. It also is tougher on the defensive backs. Got to process more information to try to figure out, okay, am I passing off this route? Am I taking the inside cut or the outside cut? And when by the time they figure it All out, the, the ball time. is already out. And now, last game of the season, you want me to give you credit for something you're supposed to do by putting Colin Johnson and putting Devin Duvernay in a bunch formation? No, Tom Herman, I will not give you credit for something you're supposed to be doing. All right? That is not, you should have been doing that. The slot fade. The slot fade. They would run the slot fade. They've been running it lately toward the end of the season, but in this game, they probably ran the slot fade more than they've run it in one game all season long. Yeah. And, of course, it worked. It's Devin Duvernay, for God's sakes, in the slot. He runs a 10-3, all right, and he's got the best hands in college football. Yes, the slot fade is going to work every time. And he wants me to give him credit for something he's supposed to do. Joseph Asai, he's a monster. He gets what he get: uh, six tackles for loss, three sacks, playing. He's basically the modern Sergio Kendall. He's pass, rushing, or run stuff and playing on the line of scrimmage. And we've been yelling for Tom Herman to do this all season long. Get him in that role. Put him in that role. He's great everywhere, but in that role is what you need right now on your defense. You want me to give you credit for something you were supposed to do. You know what I mean, like so that all these, and I love it. It was a great game playing Craig Navarre. It was awesome. The guys played well. Hell, Brandon Jones didn't even play, and your defense probably had the best game they played all season. But I and I and, I, and, I'll, and I'll get congratulate them. But I'm not giving you credit for something you were supposed to do, Tom Herman. You were supposed to do that anyway. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Uh, when I Of
3: course it works. You were supposed to be doing it all well, year. Those are the successful right. things that you can make them do. Pre-snap motion. Oh, pre-snap when motion
1: you, works? Yes, of course funk works. When you look at the, total, <laughs> the totality of this game, Rod, it, it came down to, okay, Texas was going to need to give themselves a schematic advantage because there were too many times this year where we talked about, like, Iowa State, Baylor to an extent, where Texas just kind of tried to line up and play meathead football, mm-hmm. and, and that wasn't going to work. And now you see, okay, when Texas does have a schematic advantage and they can take advantage of the edges they do have within certain aspects of the game, especially offensively, yeah, they can compete with just about any team in the country. Now the question is going forward, okay, great, you won the bowl game, congratulations. Now how do you spin that forward, Tom Herman, and make sure you're doing that over the duration of 12, 13, 14 games?
3: Exactly right. Yeah, and this is my thing about, and I I don't mean, I'm not being a Debbie Downer. It was a great performance. It was awesome. It was. And what we've seen from Tom Herman is, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, there were a lot of distractions. Actually, he's had off seasons with distractions. This probably being obviously the the, the one that's uh, most prevalent because he's got to hire a new OC. He's got to hire a new DC. Um, and he did that, of course, and we'll get to that too. But, uh, you know, the coaching surfs in there. There's an early signing period to deal with and, you know then you got you know the bowl preparation preparing for utah so with even undermanned too your staff you're undermanned and yet he's able to galvanize his group to have their arguably their best performance their most balanced complete it was their most complete game of the season and didn't we say that against georgia last year
1: mhm
3: he said the same thing right and you could argue even against uh mizzou in that texas bowl with no Malik Jefferson, yep. no yeah. uh, was no Holton Hill, no There's Deshaun Elliott, no Deshaun, no <laughs> Connor <Well, Conor> Williams, <laughs> and when you look no at it, Chris Warren, he's, he's the first point. head coach in the history of Texas football to win three his first three his first three straight bowl games, and also do it as an underdog.
2: Yeah, and that's the funny and part about get it right him. there is the <laughs> underdog aspect when you look at it with. Tom Herman overall it's like you can almost put him into a corner that if he's in this type of situation he's going to get his guys to play it's just trying to figure out how to perform at that level consistently every game because it seems quite obvious that if you have something that you can almost use as a motivating force I don't know for you or your team or if it's a time that you really need it It seems as if he is consistently – he's like one of the few coaches with just an unbelievable track record as uh, an underdog. And also whenever you're going up against a bigger foe, and that's what he was before he came to Texas. But when he gets to Texas, we've seen certain times, and I don't know – and there isn't an answer to it. Why Texas is inconsistent under him? It's good to have that as like almost a safety net that you always know mm. that Tom can get you. That's where you get those baseline where you can guarantee that you're a nine win team. The way this Matt is, Brown but, but, was.
3: No, but it's it's troubling because <laughs> the irony of it is. Y- at Texas you're never supposed to be exactly david so we were wondering why is this going to work here at Texas yeah, and it's like it's great when we are underdog but, but, but you don't want to be that you don't want to be that you want to be clemson and and you want to be bama and, and you want to be house to get to that next yeah, level and be that type of coach you always have a target on your back consistently mm-hmm. and this he year that, they and need this to understand year that. texas had a target on their back and didn't fare so well nope. With the target on their back consistently,
2: <laughs> or at the beginning of the year, the last two years against Maryland, there's a target on your back. In tar- those, you, yeah. like it's very His odd. His back
3: up against the wall. He's awesome, and then yeah, so, but it's runner, worth pointing
2: out that these trends are so. Like that, like it's 100% almost aligns no, both is, ways right. with him, which is very odd. Yeah. So at least it's maybe something that's fixable. He can maybe pinpoint in the off season what he, where it has gone wrong in those certain situations. But when we're looking at this game, I mean, all it took was the very first play. And when the very first play is throwing downfield, throwing on first down to Colin Johnson, I'm like, all right, this is what I wanted. This is what I liked. And like, you could just sort of see, and you know, and you could understand via play calling that once you get ahead of the eight ball, you can do a really good job yep. and call great plays, mm-hmm. but that second you're just one play behind and you consistently stay one play behind where you aren't Hard to get in reading the rhythm. and then the defense is the taking like an advantage yeah. of you. So it was just great to see we talked about it and you brought up all the points about teams like Oregon or teams like USC and Washington giving them trouble and then we even talked about the most recent game against Oregon how Oregon only had like six passes the entire game on passing downs and like that they were able to dictate mm-hmm. The game. You know how many Sam Millinger had? Six. He was five of six on those. But that type of idea that it worked out perfect. This is what you sort of envisioned as Tom Herman football at Texas would look like. It just has only showed up in games that doesn't matter, which is very odd and crappy for texas fans but you at least get it's very weird to give them that carrot at the end of the year and it keeps on going so at least you got one more year and hopefully you can live up to those expectations in those big games next year
3: yeah so that's where you're at. no 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 but this is why and and, and i know jeff was again here's my my last analogy and I, I was watching uh this show called temptation island trash tv They put like four couples on an island and then they bring in 15 hot women, 15 hot men, separate the couples onto separate islands, like the women on one island with all the sexy men and the men on one island with all the sexy women and see if they're tempted. And then they bring them back together for like a month. And at the end of the show, like most all of the couples basically break up. Uh, but they, so they can, of I think course. one of them stay together. And then two of them, you can leave the island with one of the people you met, potentially. <laughs> so two of the couples. They incentivized yeah, yeah, you to. Two say. of the couples, they, they were in Hawaii somewhere. And it reminds me of like all of those shows, right? The <laughs> Bachelor's like that too. I'll give you a stat about The Bachelor. There have been 23 seasons of The Bachelor. You know how I many couples are still together from those Bachelor seasons? I can't two or three. One of them
2: might have won a lot of money.
3: And I was watching the reunion show, and all the couples who left the island together, who just met each other, and the couple who was together before they got to the island and then left together, they all broke up. Everybody broke up by the time the reunion show. Because this is the thing about love. On an island in Hawaii, (laughs) when I can day drink and I don't have to work, and I'm just hanging out on the beach with another person who's attractive, you know what? I can, I can become infatuated and I can fall in lust with them pretty easily. Especially right?
2: if there are only a handful yeah, of yeah. options. And,
3: but what happens when these people fall in lust and get infatuated with others, when they go back to the real world... When I got to work every day, 9 to 5, all right, when you got to meet the real me and we got to worry about paying bills. Oh, by the way, you live in Colorado and I live in New Jersey. How are we going to work that out? Oh, I didn't think about that. We're on a freaking island having Mm -hmm. sex on the beach. You know what I mean? Because the truth is this. Tom Herman's bowl games to me, they're like Temptation Island. They're like the bachelor. I, I I can I'm not gonna fall in love with it again because that's not real football. That's not real life. That's thirty days to prepare. So everybody's healthy. The families they had eight bowl practices, dog. Eight. Mm-hmm. That's it. They only practice eight times. Mm-hmm. They get they can shout with bowl gives. Everybody's feeling good. The family's around, so there's no distrust. Everybody's healthy. You got extra time to prepare. You're hanging out, and that's they, not real football. They only
1: had three on-site practices. I was at two of them. Dude, None of them were in any kind. You're of, not even shells. They,
3: it was. I would say that's which is great. I'm glad that they got that chance yeah. to fall back in in love with one another, and it was awesome and great. But we all know that's not real football. Right. Real football is. Oh, they got injuries. Oh, you got a short week. Oh, you only got six days to prepare. Oh, you know what I mean? You you don't get your family to hang around. You may not even see your damn wife that week. You know what I mean? Like oh, you're, day. Traveling, to you're traveling to Manhattan Kansas. Oh, you're traveling to Manhattan, Kansas. It ain't all real love, ain't sunshines and rainbows exactly. all the time, man. Intimacy is ugly. It's, it's it's clipping toenails and shaving back hair. You know what I mean? And dealing with my mama, which you know, who you don't like. You know what I mean? Or cleaning the damn house. And it, it it's stuff that ain't sexy and pretty all the time. But that's real football. And Tom Herman in those bowl games now, the Texas Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Alamo Bowl, dude. That's Temptation Island. That's The Bachelor. You're hanging out in Puerto Rico on the Caribbean, and it's great. But that ain't real life. So yeah. don't fall in love with it again. Don't. Fall, I'm not falling for it. Right. Uh, I, I'm not. So it was great. It's great win. Yeah. I'm glad to have it. But to me. That's just like having you know kind of a you know that's a, that's a one night stand or a weekend tryst with, with, a, with somebody, but that ain't real love. Yeah, I want real love. I want something substantive that I can count on every day that is consistent. And Tom Herman ain't bringing that to the table right now. And I didn't
2: just situationally on the bowl mm-hmm. game aspect in look at Utah this time, even admittedly didn't take the game as serious or a team yeah. like Georgia before that. You sort of could tell and eh, didn't have nearly uh, not as incentivized as to like this for Tom Herman was a huge game. So those things really do matter.
1: I, agree- I didn't I didn't lay it out as eloquently as you did, Rod. But that was kind of my thought after the game. It's for Texas fans. Kind of enjoy this win. Like, it's been a long season. Yeah, you deserve it. Yeah, just just enjoy the win for what it was. That being the key term for what it was. Yeah. Don't let the win distract you from the fact that this program has a lot of things that need to get fixed. And for mm-hmm. me, like, I looked at the bowl game, Rod, and maybe this was my fault. Or maybe I should have prepped harder or whatever. Maybe I was doing a disservice to people, but it really doesn't matter after the fact. To me, the bowl game didn't matter because – once this team gets back for winter workouts, there's gonna be so much that's different. There's gonna be very little carryover, in my opinion. I mean, other than the fact that you know guys you guys can, can gain confidence from that. And you know, Sam Allinger's made his decision yeah. official that he's coming back. Sam Cosby's made his decision official that he's coming back, but you're gonna have You've already got two new coordinators. You know you're going to have multiple new mm-hmm. position coaches. Yeah, there's, it's it's just going to be like two totally different teams. Like Tom Herman, Look at your leadership council. How many guys are leaving? Off yeah, that group like Tom or... Herman last year after the Sugar Bowl tried to, and I don't think they did a very good job of it. In hindsight, tried to turn the page and say, "No, that was last year's team. That last year's team mm-hmm. won the Sugar Bowl. That's not this year's team." No, now because of the changes, there's going to be a very real break in the 2019 team. Is a completely different team than what the 2020 team is going to be and what their identity is going to be. No, I totally agree with you.
3: Yeah, and and the culture is going to be different. You want the culture to be very different. So I'm with you. I mean, I think even the Colin Johnson, Devin DuVernay, those guys leaving is going to be – I mean, Sam Ellinger has been been brought up in a very privileged offense in a sense where the targets you've had, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Devin DuVernay, Mm -hmm. and Colin Johnson. I mean, honestly, they've been some of the – Best wide receivers in the history of Texas football, right. and, and, and that, you are part of that, By the way, Sam, yeah. you are you are a part of that. But now you're not going to have any of those. All those guys are going. You're basically, now, now
1: you're basically hitting the reset button. To wide yeah, receiver. And, and
3: now that, but you are now going to be an elite elevated QB, and you can uplift the play now of those young wideouts. You mm. should be able to uplift their play. I'm sure. Right now, he's already working out with them young wideouts, getting them ready. That so is that to me is going to be that might be the biggest challenge that. That and the O-line, I think, might be—well, now Cosme coming back, actually.
1: The, the challenge for me, Rod, when I start—and I, I still want to hit some stuff on this bowl game, so we'll, we'll come oh, yeah, back yeah, to sure. it. The biggest challenge for me in the offseason is the relationship between Mike Yersich and Sam Ellinger and how that thing evolves and how Mike yeah. Yersich gets the most out of Sam Ellinger. Because, look, I've I've seen way too many people, whether it's social media or even some people— on, on our side of horns, twenty four seven, saying quarterback jobs should be open in the spring. Open up the competition. No, what you don't open up the job. You don't Who open said up that.
2: We have people saying
1: that. There's there are people that I, I think legitimately believe that.
2: <sighs> Jeff brought that up a few is weeks Shane ago. On I on the campus? believe
3: it. <laughs> is Shane Bouchelle here? And oh, it's no, to <laughs> me, it's, it's <laughs>
1: to me, it has nothing to do with Casey Thompson. Wow, in my what mind. year is it? It has everything to <laughs> yeah. do with the fact that you have a proven commodity at that position. <laughs> one of the best in the history of the
3: pro, school pro I, I was going to say he's the best quarterback in the
2: 48 in the last 50 years he's outside the, of Vince he's and clearly the third okay, best but let's quarterback let's look at it
1: let's history. just look at it yeah. at, at well, basically kind of like
2: i'll take
1: that uh, looking at it yeah. at the very least right the very least Bobby lane Bobby the very Bobby least, least <laughs> with sam ellinger you've got a proven commodity at that position that you know can get the job done and can win games at this level
3: yeah
1: you don't throw that away you don't you don't risk that you don't jeopardize that that's so yeah. hard to find <laughs>
2: yeah that's a fireable offense. You want to build
1: the, on it, right? Yeah. So exactly. that, to me, is the, is the, is the challenge. Is the challenge, right? That's the challenge for Mike Yerusha because Tim Beck and, and Sam Ellinger had a great relationship.
3: Yeah. Now Tim Beck apparently is a peep. Very people love Tim Beck. Yeah. Tim Beck as a person, as a coach, and even as a recruiter, I don't think there was any question of his value. The value was him as a, he just play, a good caller. play caller. Yeah, yeah. A quarterback. not, not he as was, a QB wasn't, coach.
1: Wasn't what Texas. Yeah. was what. Yeah. No, and, and as a quarterbacks coach. I think he and, was. Yeah. He was much better than I expected. In the exactly. I, I, see, that's yeah. what I'm
2: saying. That's what he was. Yeah. at the Height he just, of his profession. It's yeah. just he wasn't necessarily the play. But well, right now Mary you don't necessarily
3: need a quarterbacks coach as much as you need a play caller. Yeah. Sam's right? The Sam. Right. Sam. Exactly. Sam's at the point now. He's a senior. I mean, you know, I mean, you can teach him something, but he's at the point now where, at the college level, you've probably
1: taught him everything you can teach him. Because for, yeah, for what you said, Rod, you don't have the luxury now. Ah, just throw a fifty-fifty ball up to Colin Johnson, let him go get it. No, oh, man. Uh, you know, dude, Devin Duvernay is going to turn this bubble screen into six, seven yards, so, and uh-huh. we'll be on schedule. You don't have that luxury anymore. You don't
3: have that, man. You got got, and I, I'm sure someone's going to step up and become a premier. Now I can't identify
1: which. It, one to of me, it is. it's. <laughs> I always make this parallel because I cover one team and I'm a fan of the other team. Texas is in the same situation the Cowboys are offensively. Like, you've got talent. You don't need, you know, what you need is you need somebody that can give you a schematic advantage.
3: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And
1: whether Mike McCarthy can do that with the Cowboys, whether Mike Yersich can do that at Texas, that is ultimately, to me, going to determine what the win ceiling is for both those teams next year.
3: Yeah. No, it's just that, you know, we've talked about this but it was a tragedy that now you didn't waste Sam's junior year. But Sam, actually, I don't know if he got that
1: much better. You didn't waste it, but you didn't maximize it either. You, yeah, you didn't you know what advance I mean? it.
3: Yeah, you didn't advance. I he should, he should, he should be more advanced now than he is considering the sophomore year that we saw after the sophomore year that we saw. We were like. Dude, This dude should be in a Heisman conversation. I mean, he's got that kind of raw yeah. talent and, and despite all of and,
2: Sam's efforts, it wasn't advanced. It seems it as wasn't. if it was something that was more yeah. above him with the concepts of the offense and no, it it just w- not, it not, not advancing past what we had already seen. No, no, no. I, I, said, I don't think
3: as much of it was on Sam. Sam, I, I'm sure Sam will take ownership of, of some of his uh, setbacks, but I think most of it, I'm agreeing with you, was schematic and it was coaching. Yeah.
1: And, and that's where Texas is, is going to need to improve. All right, guys, let's take a break, and we'll pick this up on the other side as we continue to look at the Alamo Bowl win over Utah and where Texas is going in 2020. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns
0: 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 Here again is Jeff Howe.
1: Matt, I know you referenced some stuff in, in, in the advanced box score, and Bill Connolly at ESPN is still doing a great job putting together the advanced box score there there's a couple numbers that stand out to me one is the average field position for texas 34.3 yeah. As Texas in a game, Matt? I can't remember them having a field position advantage in any game this year.
2: Not since long ball Dixon. Like, I remember we were halfway through the year and realized, wow, in all these games, Texas is playing on a field that's about 20 yards long. Because it was like Texas was needing to go, you know, 80 yards every single game. Yeah. Your opponent was going like 60, 65 yards every game. And today, that were this year... This bowl game was flipped. It was Texas average field position, was about a 12.3 yard advantage, well above average, and we held Utah well below average, and they're starting from the 22. We were starting from past our 34.
1: That and the other number that jumped out to me, Matt, success rate. On standard downs, Texas offensively had a 60% yes, success true. rate.
2: Really consistent. And just wow. look across yeah. the board. Yeah, and rushing was four, 54%. So you're able to do it running the ball, too. And that was the one thing that Crazy. I remember coming in here and thinking, well, you know, this is Utah, and look at all these numbers, and then was really blown away that Texas' O-line and D-line matched up or even slightly better. That gave me the reason to think Texas was going to play well and maybe win this game. I didn't think – blow them out of the water but when you align everything with it and you look at like what texas made utah do and then vice versa how easy things were for texas that even in passing downs were able to keep the ball uh completed five or six times and then looking at uh, a couple other aspects of it it was just when you look at turnovers the expected turnovers everything Aligning with Texas and then limiting them to only two scoring opportunities is huge, and almost doubling them up in certain aspects is about as dominant as Texas has been all year.
1: Yeah, Rod, we talk about scheme, and I think where it shows up, you know, I I thought the offensive line was okay. I didn't think they were dominant.
2: (laughs) Third quarter success in this game?
1: But when you start looking at some of the rushing numbers, like line yards per carry, Texas over three. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt already mentioned running success rate, 54%. Opportunity rate, 65%. Highlight yards per opportunity, you're slightly below the national average, but you're over five. Yeah. Over 5.1. Like, it's... That's all that's all scheme and, and, and run is. game design. And again, as you said, rod, that's that stuff we've been talking about all year, like your run game needs to be more diverse. you You can't like, yes, Texas had success, and the numbers mm. back it up when they were able to line up and run the ball on people. But there were times where, like against Iowa state, where you you did it to your detriment. Where you're just slamming yep. your head against a brick wall with no imagination. I was saying, nothing so it wasn't different creative enough. About, you're yeah, right you're just that. lining up playing meathead football. And, and this game, this was probably the most creative run game Texas had all year. And especially I love the quarterback run game early. Oh. Once you added that.
3: Once you okay, this is what this was the beauty of it, right? You come out in bunch formation, you're using pre-snap motion already, and then your first play, as Matt points out, you're going deep with Colin Johnson. You're mm-hmm. telling them early on, hey, I'm coming at you, I'm challenging you. And what have I always tell them the show? The, the the one thing if you wanna if you want to kind of plant the uh, the seed of doubt into a defensive back's mind, just throw the deep ball on him. And it doesn't always have to work. Because out as a as a defensive back in a corner, uh-huh. trust I me, mean, who who it's like was, a big man shooting, shooting a three. Yeah, exactly. It's like like Giannis, once, it's once stretching you do out it, the defense. Once you do it, I gotta I'm gonna back up like a half yep. a yard. I'm gonna And, and then, take that big guy out of the paint. Yeah, and every time that wide receiver threatens my cushion. You know, I mean, I'm pro- or I'm playing bump and run, and every time he he starts threatening me deep, honestly, my mind is always going to start thinking about the deep ball, yeah. and I'm gonna forget about the curl route, yeah. I'm gonna forget about the hitch, the six route, I'm gonna forget about the route tree because my biggest fear. Is the deep ball? I don't get yelled at for giving up a first down or giving up a, a, a ten yard or a fifteen yarder. Unless it's Casey. Hampton. I don't get yelled at. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> when I give up a deep ball, that's when everybody wants to come on the bench and talk to me as a DB. Everybody. Yeah. Casey Hampton wants to come talk to me. Coach Aquino wants to go. Coach Mac Brown wants to come have a word with me. Everybody wants to talk to me when you give up that deep ball. Man, you all right? Yeah. Oh man, what happened? You know what I mean? Like that's my biggest fear. And when you plant that seed of doubt early on in the DB's mind, I'm telling you, you're all. So I, I would, I always said I would start off a game throwing a deep ball. I would th- and I let, I let the team know I'm throwing it deep. Some you better, well, y'all better back there. I'm throwing it deep because even if you defend it well and if we don't get it, you're still thinking about it, and, and you know I'll do it. You know I'll do it. You know I'll drop that bomb when you need time. And Texas kept that consistent the whole game. And they thought about it, whether it be the slot fade or whether it be Colin Johnson on the outside, whatever it was. That opened up the offense, and that allowed them early on to run the ball. And then once they use Sam Ellinger as a plus one in the running game, and then they decide Utah, they got to make the the, the ultimate uh, kind of pick your poison, right? Or you're going to defend this deep ball they consistently keep throwing to DuVernay and Colin Johnson. Or are you going to devote a man to spy Sam Ellinger and stop them in the running game? You can't choose both, and ultimately, they didn't stop either one. Yep. Matt,
1: you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I can't remember Sam Ellinger having a game. And Granted, he had the 31-yard run, which kind of inflates a little bit, but when you're adjusting the numbers, it kind of evens out. Sam Ellinger's line yards per carry, um, basically 4.4. 4.
2: So, so the, uh, you read my mind. I was literally going to interject this point to Rod's point because, first off, you brought up line yards per carry, 3. Then let's look at the running backs. The running backs, 3.2 for Keontae, Roshan 3.6. This is just a quantifiable, undeniable, just total empirical way to prove that line yards per carry for a quarterback, when you have the plus one, how much the same situation is different for them. He's at 4.3. So when you look at the two, but 4.39 to be exact, so basically 4.4. So the same line blocking on the same plays, yet the quarterback is getting more than a yard more. Your team average was 3.07. Your two bulk running backs, Roshon Johnson, was 3.58. Keontae Mm. was 3.22. That averages out right at 3.4. What was Sam Ellinger's line yards per carry? 4.39, and that's because of the plus one. And basically the plus one, what did that mean during the Texas game? A full yard each time he carried the ball, he got it more because there's one less accounted for person and you're able to go. I've never seen it work out to where it's just quickly that provable.
1: Yeah. The two other, I, I love the, the advanced running stats. Opportunity rate, that's the percentage of your carries that gain at least four yards. Sam Ellinger's opportunity rate in the, in the Alamo <laughs> Bowl, 89%.
2: Yeah, one uh, time he it, didn't. He was eight for nine.
1: And then highlight yards per opportunity, you know, Keontae Ingram's at nine damn near nine and a half.
2: Yeah, he's getting those in the open field. That's yeah, him making but people that's, miss.
1: That's making be that's finishing runs. It's like you know
2: that's him versus DB is basically what that shows because it's once you get past yeah. those first five yards and you can just see how good he is in the open field. He's twice as good. And as And that's, that's the
1: athleticism advantage that we talked about. But you got to give yourself that, that's like to me. It's you have to look at offensive and defense almost differently. And, and I think this is what kind of this era of Texas football has taught me. You know. You can have an athleticism advantage on offense, but if you don't have a proper way to utilize that advantage, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you've got to have, you've got to give yourself some kind of schematic advantage. Totally agree. The flip side of that, and what I want to talk about defensively, Rod B, you taught me this many years ago, and I believe it now more than ever. Defense, you win with players more than you win with scheme. There's no substitute for. Like we talked about with Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson in 2017, when this defense was really good, there's no substitute for two linebackers that can run sub four or five. Agreed, wide receivers. Yeah, just yeah, they're running like damn receivers. You just can't. There's no substitute for it. Yeah, and, oh, and <laughs> or and Ndama Kinsu or yeah, Ed Oliver he, was on the D line. He was he wasn't Ndama Kinsu, but Joseph Osai was. Joseph O'Sai was O'Sai pretty was, damn dominant. Yeah, freak, in that game. And we, Rod, I'll give you credit. You talked about it all year, and, and I. I knew how Todd Orlando needed to use Joseph Osai because of their personnel at inside linebacker. And it was frustrating to watch 90% of the time. But in this game, and I thought Craig Niver had a great game plan. He
3: had an awesome game plan.
1: And this is the kind of game... The rare game on your schedule, and K-State being the only other one, and we talked about this last week, like Craig Niver said, a lot of the stuff they were going to do against Utah was going to mimic a lot of the stuff they did against K-State once they made their adjustments. And we talked about how K-State didn't have a great game plan at some point. They kept trying to run the ball when they were down like their third-string tailback and whatever. But this is one of those games where you can have Delia a and Juwan Mitchell on the field at the same time. When you're facing an offense that's going to run a lot of twelve, thirteen personnel, you can't have both those guys on the field yep. together at the same time. No, I totally agree.
3: And I mean, and I don't want to make sure. I want to make sure I'm not insulting Joseph Fosse when I say Joseph Fosse needs to be on the front more and at the line of scrimmage more. He can play in coverage, and he can do all the things a versatile linebacker can do. He's yeah. good doing them. He's, and he's good doing them. We saw that.
2: But he, it ain't the best way to utilize him.
3: But the, what you need on your defense was pass rushers. You needed guys that can get to the quarterback and create pressure and create havoc up front. And that's why he should have been on the front line more and he should have been at the line of scrimmage more. Craig Navarro just using him there more. He wasn't there all the time. i got to go back and chart exactly what percentage of the snaps that he was on the line of scrimmage as that as that guy sitting the edge. But when he's there, man, he's he's just as he's just as he could be just as effective in the back end covering somebody. But why would you want him back there covering some tight end or some running back or well, some wide receiver space gosh. when you could have him rushing the passer doing what is arguably the second most valuable skill in football behind being a good quarterback being a great pass rusher. Like, what are you doing?
2: And that's you know? where, that's <laughs> a great point as to where you put him in the more valuable spot, it's value, and, then, man. and then add on top of it, though, Rod, the opportunity cost the idea that you're bringing up, that it, what it's going to take away from you, if you are taking him away, it's like okay, it's like the, the win above replacements that you show, yeah. and you know, and so where, how good does the guy that you have rushing the edge perform if you are going to sacrifice him back there, and if there's a cradleable loss there, then it's just stupid because it's not going to give you any chance and it's basically that if you can put him on the line and put him in that value situation he can make that play if you aren't getting to that pressure it doesn't matter if he's covering somebody on the back end if you're going to be able to give the quarterback time to get people open so it's sort of the cost of weighing the two and you probably are able to find satisfactory coverage guys if you have a plus guy on the line and if you're taking him out well you better have a guy that's at least above average to a guy that you're placing him with to go Agreed. and put him in this other strength and that's where opportunity cost sort of isn't always valued the same way in football that it should be
1: you know totally I, agree. i'll i'll make it even simpler than that you we talk about joseph osai's ability and coverage and yes he can do that but this goes back to the old sergio kendall quote you don't train a thoroughbred to run backwards amen <laughs> great well they must have yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds like Mush Champ.
3: Yeah. that's what I'm so, I totally agree with that. And with Joseph Asai, you saw, now you see the result. And hopefully, Chris Ash next season, like he understands the impact that he could have on that front. As I a think that was a for Sergio Kendall's
1: high school coach, but you guys get the point.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But either way, I think everybody agrees with it once you saw Sergio Kendall play. And I've made the Joseph Asai Sergio Kendall comparison for, I think, the entire season You're so the far. first person I ever heard and, bring
2: it up and it aligns. And,
3: it, man, I don't even know why. You should just watch Sergio Kendall film and go, all right, we're just going to use him like that. Because when <laughs> he <laughs>
2: came to Texas, he <laughs> was known as this five-star linebacker, just a true linebacker yeah. that you thought. And sort of when you saw Osai, you're like, ah, oh, he's a linebacker. It's like, no. But when he gets out there and does certain things and certain watch tools him in he space. possesses, yeah. this dude, yeah, and he's just like a heat-seeking missile. There's, Amen. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know, when you talk about joseph osai and what he can do for this defense i've said it many times going back to Reverend manny diaz with some of his game plans in 2012 oh. you got alex okafor coming off of an all-american year and how many times on the show that i say look any call you have where alex okafor is consistently 30 yards off the line of scrimmage covering in space it's a bad call get bad rid call. of it
3: bad call bad call, bad call. Don't need to think about it.
1: Back <laughs> you know off. I mean, that's, that's, like, that's a back off. More and, and more so than Jackson Jeffcoat, right? Because Jackson Jeffcoat was a little bit different. But I think Joseph Osai, to me, the guy I've kind of compared him to has always been Alex Okafor. And, and I think we saw we saw the shades of it this year because, like Alex Okafor, like Texas to me, and they've had good players in the front side. Malcolm Brown, mm-hmm. you know, Cedric Reed was a good player here. I mentioned Jackson Jeffcoat, but Malik Jefferson at times. But to me, Alex Okafor, like when I did my all decade team at Horns 24 7, I was kind of the curator of that. Alex Okafor was our defensive player of the decade because to me, Mm -hmm. to me, Alex Okafor is the last edge guy Texas has had that you can say, you can tell him, go take this game over. Just go take it over. Like we're done, we're done. Jerking around with schemes, just go take this game over, just line up and he could go wide. do it. Yeah. And go Joseph Oside to me goal. is that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At some point they just said, look, just go get the damn quarterback. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah. yeah we're not gonna, not gonna we're, yeah, we're not you. gonna over scheme We're, gonna you you up we're up not gonna line you, we're not gonna ask wide. you to drop yeah. a whole
1: lot. Just go get the damn just quarterback.
3: Go ahead quarterback. Let him focus. Go r- stuff the run and go pass rush. That's it. Yeah. Now, gonna, <laughs> I want to, I want to keep it simple for that guy. And I agree with you 100. I think that's what Craig Navarre did. It was probably the best thing he did. And I mean, the was the middle linebacker court. What's his name? Court Cor- Jock. Court Jocks.
2: Oh yeah, that guy. I
3: don't. I don't right. know where
2: he came from, but he was no, running around. His he's an head. old school. He's up. an
3: old school Big Twelve linebacker. He's not yeah. a new school Big Twelve linebacker. You can use him in this game, and you can use him sparingly. In Every play looked
2: like he was on kickoff.
3: Yeah, years. he's great, but in the Big Twelve they would eat him alive. I, t- yeah. I tell you. I, you know I tell you mean?
1: this about Court Jock starting. Play. But I
3: did like him. I did like the move, and he he played well in that game. Go- you
1: know? Going forward into the spring, I think Court Jock starting tells you more about kind of where. Jawan Mitchell stands in the eyes of the coaching staff going into spring. In terms of.
3: Something must have happened.
1: In terms of he either needs to get it together or I don't know if Jawan Mitchell's going to be part of the long term plan for this program. Hmm. Yeah,
2: I can see that. Because it did, that, it wasn't good.
3: It no, was
1: good it's not good when a former walk-on linebacker is starting over. Yeah, when you, bowl it's yeah. not
2: good when you look up and you're like, "Who's that guy? I've never seen that." Guy.
1: Yeah, when everybody's got to go Google the it. guy,
2: like, "Who who's this guy?" Well, a yeah. good deal that he's playing <laughs> no, he well, but, but then move. it was also like, "Wow!" And get you
3: here. And play. then, and
1: then rather the third phase, special teams was good. Special teams was good. It was the most
3: complete game they played. It, it was all three phases for the first time all year. Actually,
1: I, I wrote this after the game, and, and, and again, like I said. Overall, the totality of it, it's tough for it to carry over to to next year too much, but there are certain little things that you can look at and carry over. I think Jake Smith has a chance to be a dynamic return guy, but every time Deshaun Jameson touches the ball, he's yeah. making something happen. Yeah. I would just focus on him being my kick returner, punt returner and I making sure he's got his direction. hands on the ball uh, as agree, much yeah. as yeah. possible. Don't,
3: quit overthinking it. He's yeah. good. He's good with the ball in his hands. Just let him go. And him now you're depth. Depth. Yeah. If yeah. you
2: at depth. If something were to happen, you would have a guy like Jake Smith, Jake behind Smith him to go back there. And Jake yeah. Smith's role next year is going to be so much bigger. Now that I mean, huge shoes.
1: I'm with you, man. I think depend and, you know the Joshua Moore situation is one of those deals that's up in the air. I mean, he, hell, he could be your your Z receiver. Sort Maybe you've got burning more. eagles at X. You know, you your wide receiver lineup could look different. But I agree. If Jake Smith is in that H role, his value to this team. On offense is mm-hmm. exponentially greater than it could be on special teams. Like well, I he
2: hasn't avoided the luxury of Duvernay either. That the idea that you took Duvernay off for two series a game at minimum just to get Jake Smith in—we don't even know who would be Jake Smith's backup. So he may be in for every possession in that situation.
1: The wide receiver discussion as we go towards the spring is going to be really interesting, Ron, be Because interesting. when you, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, Eagles. a lot of this talk kind of dovetails together because. It all starts to me with the decision on Roshon Johnson. Is he going to go back to quarterback? Is he going to stay at tailback? Well, this spring, you're going to have three scholarship quarterbacks in the program, regardless. You have Sam Ellinger, you have Casey Thompson, and Hudson Card is an early enrollee. Go to your running back position. You still got Keontae Ingram. You still got Danny Young. You don't, get B, you don't get B. John Robinson until the summer, but Roshon Johnson gives you three scholarship tailbacks. Do you now have the luxury to say, okay, do you now say, okay, we feel good about running back. We don't feel as good about receiver. Now, do you look at maybe moving Jordan Whittington back to receiver?
3: You could. You just got to make sure Jordan Whittington's healthy. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't make any plans for Jordan Whittington until I know he's one hundred percent healthy. That's a good point. Because yeah. you know what, coaches, one thing y'all also screwed up. You talked way too much about Jordan Whittington. Just shut up about him. Well, <laughs> just shut up about the young doctors. man. Exactly. Just shut up about the young man until he gets healthy, and then we'll talk about him. The fact that y'all pumped him up. It did not help the cause because everybody kept asking about him and all this. No, no, just let him get healthy. No pressure. You get healthy, and then boom, we'll use him. Because right now, that was frustrating too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That whole process was frustrating because I mean, obviously, more frustrating for the young man. But don't be. I mean, why pump up a freshman like that? I mean, he played one play in the whole season, and it was. They probably talked about that freshman more than he talked about any other freshman because they've gotten on campus. Yeah
1: just let it go it, just shut up about is, it. Is, so are you are you Rod where <laughs> are you are you a, where you're uh, where you're at with Jordan Woodington, if I can talk right today where you're yeah. at with him is it kind of like where I was in early 13 where they go to the BYU game and DeJay Johnson like sprains his ankle on like the third oh, play of the game DeJay. and Major's like well I mean that threw our whole game plan out like why would you build an entire game plan around Jay Johnson in the first place? <laughs> the
3: guys never been healthy. That's why Mac Brown was wise. I mean, Mac Brown said we were reluctant to build our offensive game plans around Jordan Shipley. Yeah. When he first started ball knocking, he was like, Man, if he goes down, y'all better make sure that, you know, the fit doesn't hit the shan because he's never been that healthy. And it's not and it's not a knock against a player. That's just it's not wise to start making grand prognostications about yes. a player. Who hasn't really been able to get healthy? Getting healthy is its own issue altogether. Trust me, as somebody who dealt with a lot of injuries, let the young man get healthy, and he's gonna come back and be a hell of a player. I think know the that. staff
1: had—I don't want to say it's an issue—but said the same thing about Keontae Ingram. And, yeah. and Keontae didn't have—I mean, the numbers at the end of the day, the numbers look really good, but we know that was a, a roller coaster deal. It was, he was very inconsistent. And for you to talk about him and the way he was talked about in the off season. You would expect him to be a first or second team all oh, conference yeah. type oh, guy.
3: Adding, yeah, you're right. Talk about the muscle they added to him and how consistent. And you know what? Maybe some of that was on the O line and the run blocking and all that. I totally say, but I'm with you. Let's just let the play do the talking from now on about the players. Yeah not bragging on him too much. Nick Saban did not brag on them. I can't think no. of the last time Nick Saban was bragging on a player. No. I can't think of the last time. Never. Why not? Really like, he's got a
2: hell of a, a lot of players to brag on. Not even bragging on an <laughs> unproven player. And yeah, like, like, that's yeah. almost yeah. indicting of where you are to, as a program. Exactly. You're like, oh, this new guy. This new guy. we yeah. got to come in and change everything. It's like, exactly. No. Well, when was Texas best? When we had a five-headed monster at running back in 05. And like you have so much depth that I would rather be parsing away carries to, say, a little to Ingram, a little to Bijan, a little little bit to row like when you have four or five where you mm-hmm. can go get to like I remember you bringing it up Rod the four backs of 500 plus yards or whatever is the almost three, a way yeah. to yep. correlate to being straight to what would be called a BCS ball at the time but any of those top ones and when you look at these schools the ability to just stack up talent at those positions sort of Texas should be because you shouldn't be busting on those type of players when you're Texas
1: I, I think part of that too Rod though it's hard to blame it on the coaches part of it's us and me especially no, the guys that are on the beat because, you know, we want to ask about those guys because it's like, you know, hey, you got the shiny new toy for Christmas, you know, how we want to see it. How are you going to use it? When
2: it isn't Very so true. simple you know? as to if it wasn't used, what's the problem? Why He's like, eh, did, game flow didn't go that way.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's it, for him it's about getting healthy right now. So that's, yeah. Let's just do him a
1: favor and not
2: agree fully.
3: Put any more agree pressure fully. on more indicting stuff. The yeah, pressure centers yeah, yeah.
1: from the what, media yeah, exactly. are the ones. All right, it's time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. We will do that on the other side as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns twenty four seven.
4: Deep's coming. You know what to do.
5: Hey, I'm gonna just rip this band-aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. (laughs) How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool, not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping? Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could.
0: Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snoring 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply.
4: Beep's coming. You know what to do.
5: Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. (laughs) How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool, not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could.
0: Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. Asthma symptoms can
4: attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now, you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over-the-counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park... Or at your kitchen table. Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. (sighs) For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed.
1: I want to keep my heart healthy, so I get my cholesterol checked regularly. And when my doctor told me my cholesterol was borderline, I found garlic. According to my pharmacist, there's an ingredient in garlic
3: that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. And one garlic tablet is equal to a whole clove of
1: garlic, except it's odor-free. Yep, I'm doing what I can for my cholesterol,
4: and I'm doing it with garlic. Garlic, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Keeps coming. You know what to do.
5: Hey, I'm gonna just rip this band-aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. (laughs) How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could.
0: Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with horns 247com Here again is Jeff Howe.
1: All right. We'll uh we'll talk about NFL stuff, all kinds of stuff. We're we're like I said, we're hitting that point in the off season where we're gonna be between the end of the season and spring ball, so a lot of review, a lot of overview, and uh, looking at where Texas is headed in 2020. So we will pick up the conversation next week. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the broadcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. You get us, State of Recruiting, The Flagship, all the Horns 24-7 podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7 podcasts wherever you get your shows. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.